Good morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome to Convocation. I'm Brian Martin Burkholder, University Chaplain and Chair of the Convocation Committee as well. And today, delighted to be working with the Center for Interfaith Engagement for um, a convocation that we're calling Ramadan Learning Experience. Um, just checking, if, if any of you have friends who are planning to connect through Facebook Live, you might text them and let them know EMU's internet's down such that we are not able to offer uh, this convocation through Facebook Live, and they could still join us if they could get here in five or ten minutes. We will have a video that we'll release later on. Uh, this morning we continue an emphasis on interfaith literacy and engagement in the convocation program. Today we're joining the Center for Interfaith Engagement, and they go by CIE, so I'll use that in the future, uh, for an educational and advocacy experience about Ramadan. Ramadan, the ninth month of the Islamic calendar, observed by Muslims worldwide as a month of fasting, prayer, reflection, and community. And you'll hear a whole lot more in depth in just a few minutes. Tim Seidel, executive director of CIE, will moderate a discussion with panel participants, including current EMU IEP students, alumni, and friends from the community. They'll be focusing on these questions. What is one thing about Ramadan we should know? What does Ramadan mean to you individually? And how can a learning community like EMU support Muslims who are observing Ramadan? Now there are several partners across campus who are working collaboratively to um, to engage religious observance across a diversity of experience. Our approach currently is um, to emphasize three things, educate, accommodate, and celebrate. Today is in the education part of that, but we also will be looking for, we, we want to know, we need to know how we can better accommodate religious observance on, on campus, be it through food, prayer space needs, permission to, to miss class for religious observance, all of these things are important. And we want to celebrate, and we'll be hoping that we can perhaps be providing an iftar um, community meal right here on campus at least once. It's not even enough really once, but at least once throughout this Ramadan observance. More on that later. Our collaborators are Tim Seidel, Trina Trotter-Nussbaum of the Center for Interfaith Engagement, Micah Shristi from International Student Services, Jackie Font-Guzman from Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Justice, and, and Shannon Dykus, Dean of Students. Tim, would you come forward with the panelists and I'll uh, invite you to introduce your panelists and then go with the program. And while they're coming forward, just note that this is Pieces of Noah's Ark. Come, come on up. Pieces of Noah's Ark from the Noise Fluid uh, Opera that will happen Friday and Saturday. And behind the curtain, all kinds of things for the Shenandoah Valley Children's Choir 30th anniversary um, concert this Sunday. We're sharing the stage with a lot of creative folks. 
right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, like Brian said, my name is Tim Seidel, I'm Associate Professor of Peacebuilding Development and Global Studies and Director of the Center for Interfaith Engagement, or CIE, here at Eastern Mennonite University. And, and to all of you, faculty, staff, students, community friends, welcome this morning. And um, a special welcome to our Muslim friends uh, and, and Ramadan Kareem to you all. Um, CIE is privileged to host this conversation this morning. Um, for over a decade now, CIE has been working here at EMU to promote um, collaboration among scholars and practitioners and students uh, to, to uh, promote a more just and peaceful world through interreligious and intercultural understanding. Um, and one of the ways that we're doing that here at EMU is to raise awareness about our religious diversity as a learning community and working towards becoming a more religiously pluralistic or inclusive learning community. And so a part of that is hosting these conversations and, and really um, raising awareness uh, in our community. Um, it's important to talk about interfaith work right now, um, not least because it's been a special time for many um, in our community um, for our um, Recently, for our Hindu friends, um, celebrated Holly, and for our Sikh friends, celebrated Holly Mahola. Um, later in this month, in April, our Jewish friends will be observing Passover, and uh, Christian folks will be celebrating Easter on April 17 and April 24. Um, and if you don't know what I mean about that, you should ask a friend, because Easter is actually celebrated twice this month. Um, depending on your uh, Christian tradition. And then, of course, today we're recognizing Ramadan, which began this past weekend. Um, so we're privileged to hear several members uh, of our community talk about Ramadan and their experiences. Um, personally, recognizing that Islam and Ramadan um, can be uh, experienced very diversely all over the world. And so, um, first, I guess we'll just maybe go in the order here on stage, if that sounds good. Uh, we'll start, um, I'll just introduce you all. Um, we'll hear from uh, Taha Abdurrahman, who is a student in our um, intensive English program here at EMU. And then we'll hear from Sajid Hussein, also a student in our intensive English program, or IEP. And a special shout out to our IEP colleagues who are joining us this morning. Thank you for being here. Yes. Um, then we'll hear from uh, Professor Abdul Rabi, a community friend, former uh, JMU professor, um, really active in Faith in Action, a wonderful organization in town, as well as the Valley uh, Community Muslim Foundation. And then we'll hear from Nadia Damas, another really good friend, also really involved in Faith in Action, um, in some of the really important work in Harrisonburg and Rockingham County, um, as well as involved in the Valley Community Muslim Foundation. And then finally, uh, we'll hear from Jalal Jalal Makabla, who is a uh, an alum from EMU, from the Center for Justice and Peacebuilding, and current PhD student at James Madison University. So without further ado, um, the three questions that we posed for your all reflection, what is one thing about Ramadan we should know about? What does Ramadan mean to you? And how can a learning community like EMU support Muslims who are observing Ramadan? And so everybody about five, six minutes, and then if we have time, we'll also invite you all to pose questions if you have any as well. Um, but uh, Taha, over to you. Let's see. 
Assalamu alaikum. Uh, new. Uh, so we're gonna share uh, something about uh, Ramadan today. So Ramadan, Ramadan, fasting Ramadan is obligatory upon every Muslim. Same as the previous nation before Islam, according our Holy Quran. Fasting Ramadan starts before sun, sunrise till sunset. During this time, no eating, no drinking, and no inter intercourse. In Ramadan, there are different activities, such as praying and reading Quran a lot, and also sharing foods with the relatives and friends. Hello. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for coming. Appreciate it for everyone here. Today I will share one thing about Ramadan should be know about it. Fasting is obligatory for every Muslim. Man must be fasting at the age of 18. Women must be fasting at the age of nine. It is the month of fasting which is one of the pillars of Islam. Is that is the daytime fasting from sunrise until sunset. The, the month of Ramadan also has a special place in the heritage and history of, of Muslims in it. The Quran was first revealed. It is the month of God, the month of patience, the month of fasting, the month of Islam also the month of the poor people. The Ramadan has a special stats amount of the month of the year because in this month, the Quran was given in the Prophet Muhammad. Thanks, EMU, I appreciate it. EMU did everything it could in support of Ramadan. Be learning about Ramadan, you will understand those of us who celebrate Ramadan. Again, thanks EMU, appreciate it about it. Yeah. Assalamu alaikum. So the one thing usually I uh, remember from Ramadan or for me, is basically that's the month which uh, we as Muslims train ourselves uh, to control our desires. We are controlling our food, we are con controlling our behaviors, our manners, to supposedly be the best which is asked from our religion. And this is really like, uh, I don't want to say the Olympics, because uh, you have to train yourself for the years to come, or the, the rest of the year. Uh, so this is one thing for me is Ramadan. If I can control 
my desire and I do my obligations to my religion. And this is fasting is really something which none will see it. When I prevent myself from eating or fasting, it's between me and the Creator Himself. Nobody will know that I am fasting. I can say I'm fasting and I go and drink and so forth. So it's really the control and the obedience and training your soul that if I can do it in a month, this can be repeated throughout the year. And it's a reminder, if we have been good anyway, how can I do better? The second thing uh, for me in Ramadan uh, is really Ramadan is, uh, reflects a lot of the uh, Islamic things which happened into it. Uh, particularly the revelation of the Quran. We have ayah in the Quran that the Quran, the whole Quran revealed in the lower, we believe, lower heavens. And then it has been trickled down to the Prophet as needed. So for me, it's basically, this is the month as well. Uh, I spend most of the time learning or really understanding the Quran. Sometimes we recite it as words without really going in depth in understanding the meaning and the reasons for the revelations of each part of it. It's not only just a guidance how we behave, it's related to certain incidents, including actually in Ramadan, even the battles which uh, commemorate the Ramadan. The first one where the Muslims were minority and faced the unbeliever, there were 300 compared to the unbeliever at this time, uh, 1,000. It's called the Battle of Badr. And then when Islam spread in Arabia after 13, 23 years, of da'wah came the opening of Mecca in Ramadan where the Muslims at this time were in thousands while the disbelievers were a minority and it shows the behavior of the Prophet how we treated the defeated part learning for us to know how to deal even with the enemies when we are open so it's, that's what I do in Ramadan. What's with the third one? <laughs> um, how can EMU as a learning community support? And the EMU really, are, all of them are doing great jobs. And actually, um, in, in GMU as well, there are a lot of articles. I read it this morning from a professor talking about how we can accommodate, how we, we share with others. So really, they are doing quite a bit, and we still have to work with the schools. Recently, the schools recognized the uh, Daid, and the Harrisburg uh, school is going to give the day off on, on Daid, which is really a great uh, step to, towards recognize us onto the calendar, and that's what we need. So it's, 
And so with the effort of the people in the community, uh, with the, the schools and university improving, and I think EMU as well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I think he took a lot of <laughs> what I wanted to share, but that's okay, I kind of go off the cuff anyway. Um, but I am Nadia, so thanks for having me here today. Um, I'll, I'll just add on to a lot of what I've heard so far. Um, you guys did say that it was mandatory for all Muslims. Um, I just want to clarify that it's those Muslims who are able. So it's those who have reached puberty. Um, it is those who are healthy. Um, if you're on medication, if you're elderly, you don't need to fast. If you're pregnant, you don't need to. And then women who are also on their menstrual cycle uh, for that time um, are not required to fast. So it's not something that is really forced on you, that is a hardship for you. Um, a lot of people from me are like, well, aren't you starving? Isn't that a little too much? Um, you're not. For 30 days, you, you kind of look into it where it's like, oh my gosh, I won't have my coffee today, or you know, little things like that. But um, after a couple days, your body adjusts. And um, as Dr. Robbie was saying, um, it's more of a training for your body. So just like you're training for any sports, you're going under dietary restrictions or you're, um, for us with Ramadan, you're not just fasting with food, but you're also controlling your emotions and your earthly desires, like Dr. Robbie said. So you're controlling your anger, you're being more forgiving, you're thinking of ways to be closer to God. Um, you are praying more. Um, whenever I feel my hunger, I just think of, um, you know, thank God that I'm healthy and I'm able to do this. And God, like, please help me keep going through the day and make it through the day. Um, and it's also just to help you feel for those who are less fortunate and do not get all the meals that you're able to throughout the day. Um, also think of Ramadan as kind of like Lent, Christmas, and Thanksgiving all in one month. So <laughs> you're getting the celebration aspect. You're getting the... Um, the connection to God and the religious side, but you're also getting that social gathering. Um, so one thing that I would say to help your Muslim peers um, is go, you know, break fast with them. Um, try to be with them as much as possible, especially if they're alone um, in the States. It's really hard to break fast alone. Um, I usually tend to go to my mother's house or my brother's, but you're either being invited to someone's house or you're inviting someone. That's usually the protocol. Um, like I said, it's just very hard to be alone during that time. Um, so that would be my advice there. But um, I guess the biggest thing is that it's not just fasting. A lot of people say, oh, you're just going to lose a bunch of weight. Unfortunately, you don't. <laughs> So that's one question I get a lot. But, um, you know, if that were the case, I'd probably do more than 30 days, right? Um, but those 30 days, so hopefully after the 30 days, um, your body, um, that training process, so that reset for your body, um, doing that 30 days every year trains your body, hopefully for the rest of the year, to be a good person, to be closer to God, to take those good habits of charity and all that you've done for the 30 days and hopefully keep repeating them throughout the year. So thank you. Um, alaikum. I think I, I have to go home because they talked about everything, so. <laughs> but uh, since I'm the only alumni, um, I would like to share something with the students here. 
uh, the last time I entered this um, hall was on April 30th, 2017, the graduation day. So I would like to encourage you to work hard for that day uh, and uh, celebrate it. Uh, one uh, note for Dr. Rabia when he said about Eid, uh, just to draw your attention, the Eid we mean is the celebration of the end of Ramadan. So it's the first day of Shawwal, the, second, the following month of Ramadan. And he said that the uh, city schools uh, decided to have this day off because we have a, a kind of uh, a big Muslim population in the, in the city and this is a good you know, gesture from the city. We really appreciate it and we would love to be uh, a part of this community. So, uh, the first thing I want to talk about, so Ramadan is associated with fasting. Now fasting is not an Islamic practice. It was found before Islam. In all religions there is different types of fasting. And the first thing comes to our mind when we talk about fasting is stop eating. Now this is the easiest part. The challenging part is fasting from bad sins, from negative behavior, from attacking, taking people's rights. Fasting is, and I would love to talk about a, a, a concept that is used uh, in, in wrong way and associated with Muslims about jihad. And 90% of the narrative about jihad is war, attacking people, and killing, and the blood. Jihad is the, the most challenging jihad, is challenging yourself, jihad al-nafs, where you start with yourself and stop yourself from doing wrong things. And in Ramadan, as a practice, as a worship, I can say for Muslims where all worshiping is about doing things. So you are required. In zakah, you have to pay money. In hajj, pilgrimage, you have to go to Mecca. In whatever practice, you have to do things. And you are motivated by different ways to do things. In Ramadan, wait you are required not to do things, to stop doing things. So from philosophical point of view, it is more challenging because you need to stop doing practices that you used to do the whole year and you have to stop them. Now, the thing I would love to share about Ramadan, it is the, the, the feeling that you have when you break the fast, the rewarding feeling of I'm strong, I can do it. I can do, I, I have conversations with my friends, sometimes non-Muslim friends who do not do our fasting. And they say, how can you live uh, without drinking for 14 or 15 hours? I say, it's okay. Not because I'm big, I can survive more. But people used to do that for 1400 years ago. So, and it is not, it will not kill me. And of course, you will not lose weight for sure, and I have done a lot of research about this because I would love to lose weight. And we discovered because our big part of the, of the losing weight process is about sleeping. 
In Ramadan, we don't sleep well. Our life goes up down because you have to wake up at five o'clock to have a meal before the fasting. And uh, when you break the fast uh, around eight, so you will not go to bed before one o'clock. So you don't sleep well, and this is very bad for losing weight. So we don't eat and we don't lose weight. Uh, so it's, uh, it's about discipline and not the physical discipline. It is the psychological, spiritual discipline. How to stop yourself from doing things that you used to do and how to control yourself. Controlling your body will be easy. You can control your body by practice. But practicing the control of your behavior, your reactions, your way of viewing things and controlling yourself and put limits and not for one day or two days or not be for a class of two or three hours it is for a whole month it is a very good retreat for the the human to be to to adjust with the new behavior so uh, i believe it is uh, it is an interesting experience i have some friends who try to do that uh, non-muslims uh, who said, we want to try one day. It was difficult for them, but uh, you, you can feel the rewarding after you achieve something difficult. Now, Ramadan in, in places like here, not in a Muslim world, is more challenging because you wake up and everybody around you are not fasting, which is okay, but it is not the norm. So you feel that you are different. You are... Uh, you are not like everybody, so it's more challenging, especially if you are addicted to caffeine in the morning. It's, it's a problem. In, in Muslim countries, it is less you know, challenging because every, everybody practicing this. Uh, what I would recommend for uh, the, the EMU community is uh, to, to know more about uh, our practices, the Muslim uh, norms in Ramadan, what we do to try to discover, and uh, beside what Nadia uh, said, uh, try to invite people and uh, try to show that you are good with if they invite you. And I think people who are fasting like to have people with them. And uh, uh, there is a special uh, flavor for, uh, for that food. And for this, you know, these moments with the people who are sacrificing a lot of their time and efforts to do something, it is, it is very spiritual and uh, it shows unity. And um, yeah, I think ask, ask Muslims, people like to share more about their habits and traditions and norms. What you do usually in Ramadan, what types we have a special type of desserts in Ramadan. We don't do the gataif and the other stuff. So it is a good opportunity for you guys to try new desserts uh, only in Ramadan. Um, and this is maybe, and more, more education about Ramadan, the month. Uh, again, it is not only fasting and worshiping. Many major events in the Islamic history took place in Ramadan. And there was a reason for that. So for the people who, unfortunately now, the, the, the narrative about Ramadan is, you know, uh, 
you become weak, you cannot do stuff uh, because you are not eating and not drinking for a long time, so reduce the working hours. No, actually, physically, you can do more when you're fasting. You can take better decisions when you're fasting because you can focus. Uh, so I think the, the more we have education about the month of Ramadan, the more we understand more about jihad al-nafs, fighting your desires and how to control. And this is, this is a, a human concept. This is not for Muslims only. And I know in different religions, there's different practices that you know, strengthen this. Thank you. Thank you all very much for sharing deeply from your own experiences um, and, and helping us to, to learn a little bit, not only of uh, the, the details and the, um, the nuances of this important time, but also challenging us to um, examine our own assumptions too about um, something, something as special as this. So we've got some time. And, and maybe there's some questions that folks in the audience might have um, that our, our friends here um, can respond to. So think about what you've heard, um, what you've learned, and maybe there are even some assumptions that were even challenged up here right now um, that you're noticing. So this is a time for some questions from you all. Um, we've got a, 10, 15 minutes to share with each other. Yeah, just raise your hand. We'll bring you the mic. If there are lots of questions, I'll get a second person to help with the mic in the other aisle, too. Do you mind standing? Okay, okay. okay thank you. My name is Onyx, um, a student at IP. I have a little question. Has uh, Muslim people spent more time in Ramadan? Um, do they spend time in prayers? and the fasting. So I want to know how we are, I'm a, pro, I'm a pro, Protestant, and when we, we spend more time in prayer, uh, we got something like a revelation. God, you can, God can re reveal us something. So I want to know if for Muslim people, they have something like a revelation when they spend more time in prayers. And uh, the, uh, according to the fasting, I mean that it's not a, only a discipline, but it's, like, it's uh, something which connects us to God. So I would like to know if there is something like a revelation and what uh, that revelation could be and what that, that revelation could be so useful for people. And if uh, uh, another question is like, uh, uh, it's only a discipline or it's like a, a routine. Every year we have to to spend more time, have to fasting for Muslim people. And uh, what again? It's uh, like a routine. Yes, I want to mean it's like a routine or there is something else we get when you are in prayer and while you are fasting. Thank you. And Brian, maybe we can take a couple questions at a time and then we can consider them together. So if there's another question that anybody has. What is one of your favorite um, memories from Ramadan? 
start with number. All right. So. So. So actually, uh, Ramadan uh, it is month to uh, make uh, or make your relationship with the Allah make it stronger and make it good to to continue your your life. And uh, for the second question, uh, so members, I have a lot of members about about Ramadan. But one of them, I, I like when I uh, get the like, first minute in the iftar. So iftar it is when we break the fast. So it is different feeling. I, ha I, I feel so happy because I break the fast. And I am I'm be excited to be fasting again. So it is uh, different feelings. You cannot feel this feeling if you, you don't fast fasting. Thank you. I will add some things. When you stay by alone <clears throat> and you don't have anyone like to, for example, um, I have been here two years, like I spent two months of Ramadan here. So I fasting two months by, by alone. So, but I never feel by alone because I I feel someone with me, like God with me, like help me to, to be strong. Help me like to, like I'm better, I'm, I can't do it. That's a good challenge for me to stay by alone here. Thank you. They really, I can talk about the memories basically when you celebrated in uh, uh, your own country because I came here when I am adult so the memories really when I was young and with the family with the relatives the visitations and this was really uh, the thing I'm missing and you find some of the folks who are uh, here and they still have family overseas I'm Egyptian so um, usually people go back and they travel to spend a few days there and the best place of course sometimes now people we have regular uh, uh, flights uh, to uh, the holy places in uh, Saudi Arabia so a lot of people usually spend the last 10 days there uh, and I have a memory of that as well Yeah, I actually went, um, they call it Umrah when you, when you go t to the pilgrimage in Mecca. And I actually went when I was 12, so I'm glad you brought that up because I tend to forget when you don't go as an adult. Um, but I did experience it as a child with my parents. Um, and that was an incredible feeling to be in the holiest place for Muslims on earth, to all be together, to all be together there. Um, because you're going to feel closer to God and to follow the rituals that, um, that Abraham followed. Um, so a lot of those memories are, are coming back, but that's actually not what I wanted to say when, when you brought up the question of memories. Um, one of the memories I have, my, my father passed away a few years back, and I was thinking about this on the way here, um, because I tend to, I have... Whenever I have a long car ride, I, I tend to think about my dad sometimes, so... Um, so I have about 30 minutes to, to get here this morning and, and thinking about um, the times I had with my dad 
um, during Ramadan and during the Eid holiday. One was that he used to, uh, while he was driving, he would recite um, passages of the Quran, or he would. There were special songs that you would sing, um, and. The other thing was that um, my dad had a bit of a temper, if you guys can remember, just, just, a, just a little. Um, so one of the things that I enjoyed doing as a daughter <laughs> um, was reminding him that he had to control his anger. So if I ever made him a little upset, I would be like, don't mess up your fast, dad. You know, you know, <laughs> remember that you're fasting. So if uh, any of you are Muslim out there, I encourage you, you can steal that. You can take that little tidbit for your parents as well. Um, and then you brought up uh, talking about revelations um, that we might have uh, during the month. I don't think I would use that term. I think I would use more of it being uh, your own uh, self-reflection, um, finding your own inner peace, um, thinking about, you know, those times you become angry. Who are the people that um, you should be forgiving? Um, how do you... Um, Ha find more purity in your heart, um, and, and that's what connects you to God. Um, so I, I feel like that's what the, those 30 days bring. Thank you. Um, for the question about the relationship with the God and uh, the, the, the routine, because we do it over and over every year. So the relation, uh, as Dr. Rabia said, it is the only uh, worship that nobody know about like it is and this is the the the, the beauty of, of fasting that it is between you and God and only God can know if you're fasting or not because you can hide this you can you can eat and nobody know but God will know so it is purifying the relationship with the God first and give you that the feeling that it is direct relationship I don't need to go to a congregation or the mosque to pray. I don't need to. I mean, this is, I think, the only practice that nobody will interfere with. It is directly, one way. The difference, you talked about uh, the, the routine and discipline. Actually, there's a kind of difference because it's, it's the routine, what you, have to use, what you have to do over and over. Now, yes, we are required to fast but we have to be creative, innovative in finding new ways to do good things to people. So you're fasting, you're controlling yourself, you're, you're, you're trying to be a better version of yourself, but every year you can be innovative in defining or creating or inventing a new way to help people, to volunteer. If you don't have time to volunteer, you can give money. If you don't have money, you can go help people. If you cannot do both, you can go and just spread, you know, a positive energy to some orphans. So you try to find, and this is not a routine. The routine is in the practices, the everyday practices. But the creativity is required to be when, because you will not be the same during your life. Uh, yes, of course. Now, um, and you are not the same because you witness Ramadan when your child, adult, old, and uh, this is will take me to the experience. So that I have two experiences about Ramadan: one from uh, uh, my country, from Jordan, and one here in in Harrisonburg. So the first one, 
in uh, in Eid celebration after we uh, fast 29 or 30 days. Um, we have, uh, you know, uh, one of the habits is for uh, kids, uh, they go and celebrate with adults and they used to get money from them, coins. So this was a, a nice, and of course there will be a lot of sweets and candies and stuff when you go and celebrate with your relatives, your uncles, aunts, and everybody. I am the oldest in my family, so very quick they decided I am old, so I don't deserve to get money. Ah. I don't know who did that, who decided that. And all of a sudden, so the, the first violation was, or torture, that you are old, you don't deserve money. And then I discovered that now I have to pay money for my daughters, my sister who lives in Richmond. So it is, it is kind of not a very good memory because it is not fair. The second, uh, from my point of view, maybe because I'm big and they think I'm old, but I'm child, who decide? I want money. Uh, the second thing is, I lived most of my life in a small town in northern region of Jordan, very close to the Syrian borders. The population of the town is 6,000. So when we go to the Eid celebration, Eid prayer, in the morning of the first day after Ramadan, and we don't fast that day because we're done. In a small town, you go see people, they look like, they look the same. And they buy their clothes from the same place. And they, they look the same. And you know everybody. And they speak the same. I came to the United States the first Ramadan of 2000. 15, I think, or maybe 16. 15, I came after Ramadan. And I went to the Islamic Association of Shenandoah Valley in Country Club Road, and this was very interesting for me to see people from all around the world. You know, in, in, in Harrisonburg, there's something very special. We have the largest number of spoken languages in the United States. So we have big, diverse community, and this can be applied on the Muslim community. We have people from all around the world. So I went to the mosque and saw people in different clothing, different languages, different colors. Everything is different. And then just reminded me of a verse in Quran, ayah, called, وَجَعَلْنَاكُمْ شُعُوبًا وَقَبَائِلَ لِتَعَارَفُوا We make you nations and tribes to get to know each other. This is in Quran. Inna akramakum and Allahi atqakum. What I want to, to, to say that I saw this ayah in front of me when I saw like people who brought all those people to, 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 be, to have the same belief, to have the same, uh, the same understanding, the same agreement on something, and it encouraged me to, to, to do more. So this is why I decided to be an active member in the Muslim community. I try to be and try to work hard on creating this sense of belonging for the Muslim community in Harrisonburg. I try to represent the community. I try to go places and talk about the community because this is what we need. And it can be applied on the EMU community because I started my journey in Harrisonburg at the EMU. Uh, 
Muslims are human. What you hear in, in news is not representing all Muslims. This is the media intention. And uh, we, we like to celebrate. So the stereotyping about Muslims, uh, you will not, or you will discover it is not the fact once you start practice or start interact with Muslims. So this is what I encourage all of you to do, just interact and I would love to help volunteer or do anything for the iftar at EMU and organizing and we can invite people from the Muslim community and have very big, you know, um, iftar uh, for sure. Assalamu alaikum. Um, uh, I really appreciate, uh, this is not a question, but I really appreciate that you said this is a little like self-challenge during Ramadan and it's not a forced change, it's not about other people. And I was just like to add that, to bring awareness to like even us Muslims in like our communities, um, we are challenged to like do less gossip, less judgment to other people, which still happens a lot during Ramadan. Um, to those of us who still like sin, who still have a hard time with those behaviors, people who smoke, who drink, which we know we can't drink or smoke during, while you're fasting. Um, um, and oftentimes it's still a challenge in our communities to judge people less, even though like we're still working on it. So um, yeah, I just wanted to really like, like talk about that a little um, to, even like challenge ourselves to not see that person for their sins because that in itself will change how you see yourself and others around you. Um, and also I'm really excited about Eid um, and I appreciate you coming here. It's really good to see some Muslim faces because I'm oftentimes I feel like I'm the only one here but I really appreciate it and Ramadan Kareem. Thank you, Nusa. Unfortunately, we are running low on time and we have to begin our um, saying our farewells. So I just want to um, give thanks to you all for being here and to you all for being here as well. I wonder maybe as a, by way of closing, we learned a lot today. What is Ramadan? What are some of the practices, some of the things that are unique to, to our families or to our communities as well as across the faith? Um, but also, I appreciated what you shared in terms of some of the things that we at EMU can be thinking about and paying attention to. Yeah, how to celebrate Eid together uh, with our, our Muslim friends. Um, the theme of accompaniment was really strong in what you all were saying in relationship building. Um, if, if members of our community are breaking the fast by themselves to, to accompany them, to be with them, I really appreciated that. Um, and to, to, to learn more, for those of us who aren't Muslim, to take the initiative to learn more about these practices. Um, I, I even heard an invitation to the different foods that might be delicious specifically during this period of time. Um, and, then, and then finally, and Jalal, your comments really highlighted this. You know, we talk about this as an opportunity, interfaith engagement, to think about diversity, equity, and inclusion at EMU in really important ways. Um, but I think this conversation and, and the, the U.S. context within which we're having this conversation um, reveals how this has to be an anti-racist conversation because of the way anti-Muslim racism and Islamophobia shows up in our communities through the stereotypes, right? Through the, the images that we continue to see in the media or in movies or in other media and how that informs and how we need to constantly challenge those assumptions 
in the context of relationships with those in our community. So I really appreciated um, that. And, and I think that, I hope we all take that away, that our efforts at religious inclusion and religious diversity have to be simultaneously um, anti-racist because of the context within which um, in Harrisonburg and Rockingham County and all the good stuff we're doing, um, some of the challenges we continue to face, and that we can do that collaboratively together. And so thank you again for sharing uh, and for, and for um, giving, giving us just a glimpse into what this is to you all. Thank you. Right, so it, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I was thinking a little bit about the fruits of the spirit in Christian thinking and the way that's lived out in this month and, and embraced more deeply, including the final one, which is self-control, making that connection. Um, if you don't mind, uh, head, head on down, and I have just a few slides, I think. Um, there, there are some uh, what's next for interfaith engagement opportunities. Uh, for Educate, you could let people know that, that there will be a video released of, of this presentation. I don't know if it'll show up on the EMU Facebook page or, or not. Um, for Accommodate, um, one of the opportunities to, to not be alone for Breaking the Fast is through Shoulder to Shoulder campaign, online iftar connections. And people can even um, reach out to this group there in, in Washington, D.C., and, and um, request that you might host an online um, iftar to break a fast. So Trina shared this resource with me. Um, also remember, if you, are get, if you are practicing observing uh, Ramadan and you need food at 8 p.m., but you have a cafeteria, a, a meal plan, you can use your green on the go and take your food for the evening. But let us know, any of us collaborators, if our accommodations are not adequate and we'll work to improve. And then celebrating, there's a whole lot more that's happening, but we are hopeful. Thank you for adding some energy to a campus iftar. I think it's gonna happen now with your involvement. <laughs> Yasmin and others are already ready. The next slide, the Center for Interfaith Engagement is hosting another um, interfaith and arts and justice um, presentation. It's in Common Grounds next week, Poetry for Social Justice, and our own uh, professor from the, the Center for Justice and Peacebuilding sharing his original poetry and also poetry from um, various poets in India all around justice. We hope that you'll come out for that. It's another convocation point opportunity as well. I don't, it looks like they're ready for scanning out. It's 1101, go in peace, supporting one another with love. <laughs>